Let's run it, FT Live, and we've got a deep roster today because we need to spread out our vocal cord management. Vocal <laughs> cord pitch count has to be kept in check. Braun, Toddfather, Kratz, Pierzynski, Kratz and me are going to be talking a lot tonight. Toddfather's got double talking to do. Pierzynski's got double talking to do. Um, actually, let's start here real quick. AJ, can you just settle the score? Which team are you rooting for in Twins Astros? Can, can you just let everyone know so that we can kind of like stop watching the game and guessing? Uh, I'm rooting for both teams to just have fun. Oh, <laughs> neat. Oh, awesome. neat. And is it pistachios or, is it pistachios or peanuts? Uh, I like all of them. I like both of them, but... I don't know. It, the whole He's thing. He's got to be just, careful what he says about the nuts now, too. Now you got. <laughs> you got to make sure you. I mean, I just find it funny to me that you know, anytime you do these games, Todd, you probably found out a little bit doing the ESPN stuff, right? That people on both sides are like, "You hate my team. You hate the other team." I'm like, "Dude, I don't hate either team. I'm just, I want a good game. I want a good series. Listen, I hope it goes to Game Five because I want Verlander versus Pablo Lopez. Selfishly, I." I don't care who wins, but I want that matchup because I think that'd be a great matchup in a winner-take-all game. So uh, it's just one of those, you know, funny things on Twitter and, and, and Instagram where people just assume you're rooting against them because you tell the truth. And Sonny Gray didn't pitch very well, and the Astros hit a bunch of homers, and I don't know. Yeah, that, that welcome to the social media world, bro. They don't, they're not afraid of nothing. The guy told me that I'm, uh, I'm almost as worse as John Smoltz on TV. So I, I wow. took – Listen, Ooh, wow. you, put, you, you put John Smoltz in a conversation with me, good or bad, I'll take it because that dude's a beast. <laughs> so, yeah, no, welcome welcome to the to the social media world where you can say whatever you want. I have a pivotal question for you because now you've done Little League World Series for a couple of years. Yeah. Are there any Little League World Series trolls that are like, no, hey, <laughs> this guy's rooting for Wisconsin. What the hell? I've had a couple say <laughs> something about the, the Northeast team, but not like, you know, you're, you know, not like demeaning, but he's like, bro, this guy's a homer on all, like something simple, Mike. On all the Northeast teams? I'm like, uh, you might have a, you might have something there a little bit. <laughs> you might have a point. Yeah. You're, and they're saying I'm never going to lie. Listen, <laughs> listen, I, I, you know, you might hear me get a little louder, but it, it is what it is. They're kids. What are you going to do? If there's a You're Jersey team on, on there, on Twitter. All, everything's off. I'm I'm Homer in that team the whole way through. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> you're all you're all Jersey, but they're not saying it on Twitter. In those games, there's the moms in the there's the moms in the stands going. They, they come up to you, yeah, like, hey, are man, you serious? Are you serious, <laughs> Todd? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Say my name's kid, correctly. and they poke you in the chest. Hey, you. Name. Yeah. Hey, hey you. pronunciations. Um, by the way, we're doing a watch party again for Braves and Phillies, so check it out. Boom, there you go. A little fancy music too. Yeah, some highlights from game one, which was awesome to watch because we weren't rooting for anyone. We just rooting for a good time. And here we go again. Game three in Philly. There's your guest list slash, you know, host list. Myself, Todd Father's going to be on there for the first 30-ish. Kratz will be along for the ride the whole way through. Grant McCauley's going to join us, who gives us some Braves perspective. Brent Rooker. And then am I missing one from that list just now that we saw? It was a quickie. Uh, oh, and Brockstar. Yeah, Brock Holt. Brockstar. Yeah, no AJ. He has to do a, a, his own game. His box He's game. Got to do a real game. out with Wayne, right? What, what time is that? Ours is at 5 Eastern. Your game is at 7 Eastern. Yeah. So there will be a little overlap where people are going to have to listen to 
both Homer broadcasts at the Oof. same time. Um, so we'll let them do that. Let's actually charge the damn mound and get your thoughts, AJ, on the Astros and the Twins. So lay it all out for us. Christian Javier, the good. Sonny Gray, the bad. And that game was not close. Um, well, here's the thing. We went into it, uh, if you guys watch the game, thinking, okay, Sonny Gray pitching at home. He's been really good the whole year. Doesn't give up home runs. And in the first inning, out, and he also is sweeper, slider. Whatever, listen, sweeper. It is a different pitch. I was kind of anti-sweeper slider calling it, but it is a different pitch. They throw it a different way. And if you saw Adam Wainwright explain it last night on the broadcast, it made more sense to me. Um, so we went into it thinking, all right, nobody hits the sweeper uh, off Sonny Gray. The Astros offense, other than Alvarez, had been kind of mediocre. Uh, well, they go the first inning and score four. Jose Abre- or Altuve hit a sweeper. They made an error, uh, Tucker had a changeup, and then uh, and then Abreu hit the three-run homer to make it 4 nothing. That game was essentially over. Now, the Twins had chances, um, but Javier just – every time he needed a big pitch, man, he made pitches. And, and, you know, people blame the shadows, but the Astros had the shadows. didn't matter. Um, I think the biggest play was the game plan, honestly. Alex Cintron, Troy Snicker, they must have done a lot. They must have told their guys to hit sit slider. We talked about it on the broadcast, but they didn't miss any of those sweeper sliders. I mean, every time Sonny Gray made a mistake, they whacked it. Sonny Gray will counter say it didn't throw him great. But honestly, the game plan the Astros had was unbelievable. Christian Javier was good, nine punch outs in five innings. But, I mean, Kratz and Todd, how many times do you see a guy walk five, hit another one in five innings and not give up a run? Hmm. No, not that I've heard of. No, no chance. And he, you know, I came in, I said, you know, twins are going to do well here. I, you know, foot in my mouth. It, It was just one of those, man. Give up four in the first. It's And you were right. It seemed like when you guys were talking about it, it seemed like they were sitting on the off-speed pitch the whole time. And why not? He throws it more than none. Uh, you know, everybody talks about the shadows, but if you're sitting on a pitch, all you're looking for is spin. So, you know, if, if your if fastball comes at you, you tip your cap, and they really hit that ball well. Like you said, they had opportunities. But when you go down four, man, that's a that's a couple punches in the gut right there. And you're already on the back end, and you're, you're uphill battling. So – they did have a chance in the first there. They, I think that second and third could have put a run or two up there to kind of minimize it and get that momentum back. But it was it was a shellac in there. Houston said, "You know what? We're the big dogs here. Watch out." There was a lot of chances. There was definitely a lot of chances. You have to, and for a team that hits dingers, all those walks. I really thought at some point it's going to come back to bite them. And you saw Dusty. Dusty stuck with his guy. I mean, he was wiggling out of those jams. I think a lot of credit needs to go to Martin Maldonado, too. He absolutely – you guys talked about it in live. He just shut the some of those rallies down, like just coming out, you know, putting his arm around – putting his arm around Javier and getting good results after those situations. Like, there's, there's a lot of trust there from Dusty. There's a lot of, you know – manipulating and really working through those tough areas. But the Twins, Twins had their chances, especially a team that hits dingers. You put a couple guys on, all of a sudden it's a three-run, you know, a three-run shot will get you. They don't hurt you if you don't put guys on for free. But, man, were they putting them on for free and never cashed in. And even the, even a lot of the outset Javier got were out of the strike zone. So it tells you what kind of fastball that – you know, that up-in-the-zone fastball. I was surprised to see as many chases down as there was. I think there was like two or three chases down out of the strike zone because they were usually laying off balls down. But he was finishing high, watch him fly. 
Hey, check this out, AJ, because you were there. Christian Javier on the fans helping him with the pitch clock countdown quote. I did notice it, and when I did, I used it in my favor. At that point, I stopped paying attention to the clock because they were counting and just paid attention to the catcher. Whit Merrifield's going to join the show later. Um, he was one of our first ever guests in March, and I said, do you think that fans during the regular season will shout out the pitch clock countdown, but of course shout it out wrong, right? Yeah. That's the whole way to get you. That's what <clears throat> high school basketball in Jersey, they do that all the time. And Whit was kind of looking for it. It never really happened in Toronto. This is one of the only instances on the year where you see a crowd all kind of get together and count down but they were counting down properly. It, the Minnesota nice came out of them and it was helping him. <laughs> That's, it it was unbelievable. First of all, they were yelling it loud. Like you could hear it. I mean, it was like five, four, three. And Javier took it down to one second every single time. I mean, it was like one and here he goes. He picks up his leg. He milked that thing. Like I've never seen anybody milk it, but the crowd. Yeah. I mean, you got to start it like when he's at eight and start counting down and make it a little more nerve wracking, but man, it was it was a cool moment, but listen, that was really the only inning the crowd was in the game, because as soon as he got out of that first inning with second and third and one out, the crowd just kind of sat on their hands because after that the game was over. Usually you and see it was that. Called. In, yeah, and it yeah, was called. Cool. You see in a basketball game. That's why they sat on their hands. <clears throat> yeah, they they do that in a basketball <laughs> game. Give them the wrong numbers for the shot clock. Yeah, five, four, and and it or like they do it at ten, and there's like three seconds left. Whatever it is, but, I just couldn't believe that. They were uh, properly counting down. That's yeah. not how you do it. No. That's helping the pitcher, isn't it? Yeah. Isn't that helping? Like, Kratz, if you were catching Christian Javier, like, hey, dude, in case you're ever worried about the pitch clock, you can hear it for now from the crowd. So don't look anywhere. Just focus on me. Yeah, I feel like I would have been leery, though. Even even though it's Minnesota, Minnesota, any Midwest nice, yeah, they, they, could be a little, they could be a little sneaky. I'd be like, don't listen to them. <laughs> but he seemed like he said he was listening. So it, you, it worked to his advantage. It did. Um, and then lastly, from this game, um, Jorge Polanco, did he foul tip that pitch? Oh, please. Oh, my. How is Okay. Can we, can we show the video of this? We showed it repeatedly on the air yesterday. But can we show this? I think we're allowed to show this, right, Claude? Yep. Yep. We can show this. So, AJ, do you have um, – the commissioner's cell or, or Joe Torrey, can you hit them up and tell them we're reviewing everything else? We can see that we can review this too. Well, first of all, Martin Maldonado reacted right away. I mean, watch him. He's like, foul tip, foul tip, foul tip, right? Dusty reacts. They're, I mean, they're all like, foul tip, foul tip. And I mean, it didn't end up hurting them because they got out of it anyways. But how is that not reviewable? I mean, that is clear as day what's happening. I mean, you can see it hit the bat. Everyone called for it. I just don't understand in the, in the technology that we have now. We can't review foul balls and we can't review foul tips. Like what? I thought the goal was to get things right. Why are we? Why are we not have these things reviewable? I don't know. Uh, you guys are closer with the commissioner than I am, so please explain. <laughs> You're talking the wrong guy here. Um, <laughs> but it's funny you bring that up because all of a sudden a hit by pitch that skims off the hand and catcher catches it. Like we could review that though, but we can't review a foul ball tip. I, that, that boggles my mind. We should be able to review everything. Like here's a dumb rule of a guy hits the ball down the line. Like if the ball is in front of the third base umpire and he calls a foul when it's supposed to be fair, you can't review that. But if it's behind him, you could review it. Like why, why, what does it just stuff like that? That's just, just dumb because we should be able to review everything. And guess what? You want to review it and it doesn't work, you lose. And it is what it is. That's why 
you have the review system. Also, you can have inconclusive <clears throat> evidence, which happens very frequently where yeah. the call will stand and they just can't determine that they could overturn the call. And that's fine. But if it's something obvious, that's the point of instant replay. That's yeah. the point of replay review, Kratz, is that we can go and say, oops, you fucked up. It's okay. We're going to fix it. Especially in a big moment like that. Don't even don't even make a team use the review. Just make it a just make it a booth review and be like, oh, oh, whoa, whoa, like let's let's take a look at this real quick. Because there was big I remember I remember vividly, obviously not the playoffs, but playing the Red Sox, Dustin Pedroia, if it was three two and the crowd was all on his feet and it was a low pitch and he swung and missed, he would always be like, Oh, that bounced, that bounced, that bounced. Because the umpire can't hear that. And the umpire obviously couldn't hear it when Polanco fouled it off there because that's all he's basing it on because Maldonado caught it like it was, you know, just a regular pitch, but he never heard it. So it's something that's I don't I don't think it takes that long to review that, especially when we only have two games going on. And last night at that time, there was only one game going on. Also, yeah, the NFL. Oh, go ahead. Yeah, no, I, I was just going to say that, dude. Go ahead. The, the NFL now has the booth initiated reviewer. They're like, nope, you're wrong. And they don't have to even use a challenge. Yep. We can't get to that point, especially Easy. in the postseason. Now, during the season, okay, there's 15 games going on at once, but when there's one game going on, you mean tell me we can't figure this out? I mean, it's basically baseball. They can do it. They're reactive instead of yes. proactive. They are reactive. Hopefully they remember. Short memory sometimes, too. Like, remember this? Someone write it down in your notebook. We'll let them at know. At the office. Okay. Braun, Krasinski, Kratz, Frazier, congratulations to the Texas Rangers for sweeping up the Baltimore Orioles. And it was not close in that game three. And things are about to get even more interesting, Kratz, because we have some pitchers that could be added to the mix for Texas. Suddenly, the bugaboo, the weak point of the Rangers, could become a strength. Bullpen's looking pretty damn good. The dudes that they trust, right? The few. And then they're going to have too many starters. They're going to have to push some starters into the bullpen and have them be you know, piggyback guys or multiple inning guys if... Scherzer's back and feeling it, and same even with John Gray, depending on how he's doing. Doesn't seem like John Gray is as likely as Scherzer, but to me, I look at, okay, let's say they push all these all these starters. They have Martin Perez, Andrew Haney, maybe Scherzer will be in the pen, maybe he'll start, you know, probably he'll probably start, depending on his pitch count after this uh, sim game he's throwing today. But you start pushing all these starters into the pen – what does that make their bullpen look like in the sense of, yeah, I get it. You can cover some length and everything. But to me, all that gets negated because Bruce Bochy is your manager. This dude brought in Jeremy Affelt in every inning of an entire postseason. <laughs> he pitched one through nine. So if there's a manager that can use six starters in the bullpen and three starters starting actual games, it's Bruce Bochy. It's a nice little luxury to have, though. I mean, all of a sudden, AJ, they've got Dan Dunning, who can pick up a lot of innings for you out of the bullpen as a starter, essentially. I mean, if Gray and Scherzer are good enough to go, you're going to put Heaney back there for good in the bullpen, too. Same thing. I mean, to me, it, no. It gives you insurance, though, in case there's a problem with Max or John. Like, you can back them up with one of those guys and feel really good about it, no? It, you can, but you just have to you, – you can't do that every game. So if you go – I mean, I'm assuming probably Lonnie will go game one, Evaldi game two, you have an off day game three, so you start Scherzer and or 
Gray three and four if they're back. Well, yes. I know you have Heaney. I know you have Martin Perez, but you can't just you, you can't. You got to make sure they don't pitch in games one or two. Let's say, what if God forbid Monty goes out and has a bad game, or Evaldi goes out and something happens, right? I mean, I know you have Dunning, but you also would like to have high leverage relievers that are used to those situations. So mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a, it's a, it's an interesting conundrum for the Rangers. I, I know this: if Evaldi pitches the way he has and Montgomery <laughs> pitches the way he has, it's not going to matter because they're just that damn good right now. And the way they're swinging the bat, wow. Although I will say, like, if the Astros take this series, and even the Twins to an extent, because obviously Pablo Lopez has looked nasty for them. But, you know, with Houston, I mean, if Framber is on the good side of his streakiness this year, JV being JV and Christian Javier, despite, like, actually one of the comments was really good from Kevin Lyons in our chat. He goes, watching Javier felt like watching all of Blake Snell starts this year, but you will take that. <laughs> it's a good call. That's a great point, by the well way. Well done. Yeah, it was very well done. But what? I will say that's really good pitching matchups. But I, I, I think but I, I think what AJ's saying, and tell me if I'm wrong, like ha, are they built to bounce back from something bad happening? Look, they've been dominant this whole series. But if you have a bullpen full of starters, really good starters, if they're doing well, awesome. But do you have the ability to mitigate damage when it comes to nut cutting time? Because they really only have three guys out of their bullpen that are like, like AJ said, high leverage guys. And that's what makes me, that's what I'm worried about for the Rangers if anything goes wrong. If they keep scoring runs like they're doing, they'll just, they'll see walk all the way into the World Series. And with the way they've been pitching, it seems like the only three guys out of the bullpen <clears throat> that have been pitching are Spores. Um, Chapman and LeClerc. So does that make Bruce Bochy think, hey, listen, let's get some high leverage guys in there. You know, let's put Heaney out there. Let's put Dunning out there. So it's it's it like, like Adrian said, it's a good conundrum to have, I think, knowing that, you know, if <clears throat> Scherzer's healthy, I mean, that's only a good thing. That's a, the third starter they got, and they can work their way from there. And if somebody gets in trouble, you got a Dane Dunning or you got a you got a Heaney that can come in easily and pitch three or four innings. That's my thing is if someone is in trouble and then Heaney rescues them, you still have two other dudes that can rescue someone. So, and I, and Pratt's my thing. Well, AJ, I I think they have both. Like you have, you have backup capabilities and you have a few high leverage guys. Sure. Would it be nice to have four guys that you really trust instead of three? Also Bradford looked pretty damn good the other day. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, But trust me, Bruce Bochy would rather have three, four or five, six high leverage guys. Sure. And one or one or maybe two long guys. But dude, who has that? Who has who has more than three high leverage guys? Like you're doing your every series bull, right every, now. Every playoff I mean, team. Yeah, the Astros, really? the Twins. I mean, Dodgers. Astros have how many do they have? How many of the Astros and Twins have? That? Okay, the Astros high leverage or long guys? Which one? High leverage. High leverage, high leverage for the Astros. You got Presley. You got Abreu who hasn't given up a, a run in three months. Okay, you got Naris, you got Stanek, you got Maton. There's five. And Maton's kind of a fringe guy, but they're using him really well right now. And he's he, he's dominated his, lefties and righties. So, he, I mean, he's been really good for him. Abreu, has, again, hasn't given up running three months. Naris had a bad outing, but he's been he's got under, what, a two ERA on the year? Then you go to the Twins, you got Duran. <laughs> Everybody. You got Jax. You got Stewart. You got Thielbar. You got uh, there's a the other one. There's one more I'm forgetting, but there's another guy. There's like they have both have five high leverage, one inning guys. Like today in the game, Joe Ryan's going to start. 
And then you're going to see Bilbar. You're going to see Duran. You're going to see Jax. You're going to see Stewart. You're going to see all these guys. Uh, Emilio Pagan. Boom, 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 boom. Right down the line, right? Because Rocco Baldelli has to win. So it's 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 crazy that when you look at the the Rangers, what Bruce Bochy's been able to do and what this team's been able to do, because Chapman hasn't been good. I mean, honestly, he hasn't been really very good. I mean, the Clark's came kind of been their savior and, and some of the other guys, but man, it's 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 a luxury other teams have, but Bruce Bochy's a legend of this stuff. Hey, I don't mean to go back to this, but how many innings do you think Joe Ryan needs a pitch today for them to be successful, AJ? No, I mean huh. He, the only thing I said, I, t- I said this yesterday, and I said this, I'll say this, the Twins have to score first. I mean, if he gets four, oh, if he gets four innings, Rocco Baldelli would be ecstatic. Yep. Um, okay. I'm saying he's going to give them three one time through and then just start uh, bullpenning the rest of the game with an off day tomorrow. Um, but, man, if he gets them into the fourth inning with more than nine outs, I think Rocco Baldelli would do backflips down the first baseline. Okay, I think, so back I think to even Rangers into Orioles. the fourth inning. Yeah, go ahead. No, Sorry, I think I even into the fourth inning. Because I'm saying, if he gets more than nine outs, if he gets more than nine outs. Okay, so two things with Texas. Number one, their offense is really good. (laughs) Their offense is strong. Corey Seager's insane. Dude's taking walks left and right. He got the scoring started there. Just a lot of length in that lineup. And they're spitting at pitches. Like, they're seeing the ball real well. I mean, they're the type of team, same thing, Kratz, where it's like, damn, now they're going to have to sit down for several days. They don't want to. They want to keep playing. They need it. They need it. If you get Scherzer back every single one of these days off, Scherzer even said it. He said, this is the ideal situation. Giving us extra days. I can throw my sim game today, meaning Wednesday, and move on. No, there's the whole rest thing. You're about to play seven of the most important games of your entire season, some guys' entire careers. You're fine. You'll be fine. Not an issue. Okay, and I thought it was really timely that we brought on Dan Connolly, who covers the Orioles. He was on with us on Tuesday's show, and I purposely gave him the layup question of, what can the Orioles learn from the Rangers? Because it's pretty simple. It's called spending money. Yeah, The Orioles are good. It's a, they had an awesome season, but they were severely outmatched in this contest. And yeah, the Rangers didn't nail all of their signings. There's no doubt. Jacob deGrom sitting there and has been very injury prone lately and, you know, is not going to give them a great return on the investment. There's no doubt about that. But Valdi worked out pretty good. John Gray worked out pretty good for most of this year and could be helpful going forward. Seager and Simeon are, you know, pretty solid ball players. That's the difference for me. The Orioles this year, this, this year could be the year that we look back on and say, damn, man, if they added a pitcher or two, they hmm. could have won a World Series. What could have been? And now the AL East got caught up again, and you know they're fighting for a playoff spot. You just don't know. Like it, it looks very promising for the future. But we were doing this like live Twitter show after the game, and we were going over the free agent pitchers. And I'm like, I don't think they're buying. There's like four ish guys in one tier. I'm like I don't think they're gonna get any of those guys. So they're probably gonna maybe have to trade some of their position player depth. But hey, great year for Baltimore. I just think the by far biggest setback will be ownership because that team's got a profit. Like he's got to throw in, you know, $50 million a year to buy new planes. And that's going to hold this team back potentially from winning a world series and even having a long winning window. It might only be like three ish years. And then they might be like, shit, we're not doing as well. Yankees, Red Sox, 
some of these teams have caught up and they're playing well. And now we got to trade our dudes away because we didn't sign them long term. I'm just saying life hits you fast. It does. You don't know what the future is going to hold. So. No. Exactly. They need to spend money. And they're not going That's to. That's it. Well, they're not I going mean, to. Why can't they? I, mean, I don't understand. They're, it's just, if you want to win, you got to spend. And that's the bottom line. We keep saying it over and over. You have to spend. You have to get pitching. If they don't have the pitching, they're going to win games with their bats. But it's, it's going to be the same old story. They won't have Bautista next year either. Said Tommy John surgery. So I, I like them. That's my point. I just, I, I'm, I'm kind of putting them in the category where they want to be, which is Ray's category. That's, that's what yeah. they want to be. They want to be the Rays. So you, you're going to be the Rays. You're going to be a competitive team each year. But I don't know if that's going to make them a World Series team. You know what I'm and saying? And Cleveland, they want to be the Guardians. Right. Zero World Championships. Both. Crazy. Paging Cal Raleigh, by the way. Paging Cal Raleigh. <laughs> that's a, remember that's a what crazy. He said? Remember what he said about the Mariners and the Rangers? They went out and got the dudes. Oh, wait, I'm sorry. I didn't mean that. I was just kidding. Ha ha. Um, but they were great. the Rangers went out and got the dudes and he said it and the team backed him up and said, yeah, we didn't go out and get the dudes we needed. Well, guess what? The Orioles didn't go out and get the dudes they needed. I mean, they went out and got Flaherty. He ended up in the bullpen not being very good and, and they didn't really do anything else. So at some point, not only are they going to have to sign the guys they have, but they're going to have to go outside of the Orioles organization and find some dudes that can help them out. Never. Michael Elias has done a great job building the team. He has not signed a player to a multi-year deal. That's a crazy agent. stat to me. That is wild. And you have all these dudes that other – like the Braves would have had the whole young core locked up to contract extensions already. Orioles have done zero. So it's just going to be a super fascinating offseason. If, if they do what I think they're going to do, their fan base is going to freak the fuck out. Super tank for whatever, six years, and this is what you have to show for it. Also, by the way, AL East teams – we're swept in the postseason, which oh, and we'll seven. get into in the offseason. Let's jump while we have a moment into the Dodgers and the Diamondbacks. So Brandon Fott is on the mound who took down Corbin Burns in game one against the Brewers the last go-around. Kratz, are you feeling like the Diamondbacks are going to sweep the Dodgers? I, I have a hard time. Like I felt the same way with the Astros in this game three. I said, all right, they're going to go on the road. Um, if Javier looks anything like he did last playoffs and, and gets himself together, the offense is unfazed, if not maybe better on the road because they've been here. Dodgers offense, it's the same way. Like they've got dudes, at least half the roster, half the lineup that have played so many road playoff games. I just feel like they're going to show up. I rarely go outside of the bubble of like water levels out, but I just feel like this Dodgers lineup is going to show up. An over in the runs here. I just feel like Fott, they're going to keep him out there longer than I think they would keep him out there in a elimination or even like a game tying game. I think Fott, I think Fott has good stuff. I think his, you know, his 94 to 96, 93 to 96 that he throws up there, I think it plays. I don't think the Dodgers lineup is super worried about Brandon Fott going out there. And I think they're going to wake up here. And I just, I think he's going to have a little uptick in his velo, but he has to mix and match. And I don't think he's done that very well. And this lineup has seen him, not like the Brewers. The Brewers lineup didn't see this fought, you know, weekend and or, or season in, series in, series out all year. So I feel like, I feel like this is big advantage Dodgers. Dude, against the Brewers, he was phenomenal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just the way he, I'm sorry, man. I, I just started laughing because 
I'm thinking of you know his last name and how you're saying it. You're just saying it, in whatever. Fox. It, it not, could not, sound. It could sound like a British person saying. Yeah, that yeah. They, no, uh, it just. I just some gas. I, I got a little immature. I'm sorry. <laughs> but, um, that? Fart, <laughs> fart is one of the funniest things ever. Yeah, yeah you should be able like to say crazy. fart in three different languages. <laughs> no, but listen, he did. He did pitch well against the Brewers. I'll give him that. Like when there was a situation, boom, he got out of it. And he's a tall human being. He throws hard. Um. He's going to be amped. Like you said, he's going to be amped. Like, I, I can't wait to see what he's got in store, but I do see the Dodgers kind of coming back to life here a little bit and winning a game. Might be a close game, but I do see him winning that game, getting over the hump. AJ, you clean sweep? Oh, man. I, I, I'm, my boy's pitching, right, for the Dodgers, so I want my boy to do well. I mean, listen. Yeah. He's my boy, Lance, so I think he's going to go out and shove. He wanted the ball in this game. Um and he has a great playoff record. So, listen, I, I want Lance to go out and do it. And plus, I don't want clean sweeps, man. I want game fives. We've already talked about this. I want comebacks. I want drama. I want chaos. And right now, this, you know, the, the, the Orioles, the one seed knocked out, the Dodgers go down. Man, I mean, that's, that's two pretty large upsets. I think also, Lance, I mean, obviously, he's worried about winning, but if he pitches well, he's going to make himself some money. Yeah. The, it's not like it's, I mean, there's good starting pitching, but. He can make himself some dough this offseason, in my I, mind. I also think I also think the Dodgers, you know, everyone's like, well, the veterans, they've been there, they'll figure it out. They feel pressure. They feel yeah. pressure like every other human being. The part of the whole like experience in the playoffs is if you let the Dodgers back in, if you leave the door open just a little bit, them boys are gonna kick that thing open and they could be a force the rest of the way. I have a lot of Dodger fan friends. They've been texting me um, last night, this morning. They're like, we are so done. I'm like, ah, it's a five-gamer. I was yeah. like, let's see what happens tonight, dude. It's a five-gamer. So let's uh, bring in our next guest. Dan Hayes covers the Twins for The Athletic. Does a great job um, reporting on this team and has been on the show before. Dan, welcome back. And uh, how are you enjoying the Twins-Astros series? You get to catch some of AJ's homer lines about the twins since it's just so <laughs> all about what the twins are doing in this series uh the series has been great i have not um man it's funny you get so wrapped up when you're doing the job i have not the niners played the cowboys on sunday i was very invested in that growing up in norcal and i did not watch a single play so um i have not watched a broadcast although what was i watching last night i watched a little bit of the end of the uh the second the angel rangers orioles with uh very inter big interest because I wanted a night game tonight versus the day game today. So not not complaining about that at all. Didn't oh, we all, Dan? That. Didn't we all, Dan? We yeah. all wanted a night game today. You got yeah. it. Absolutely. One, the the you know, Target Field's been incredible so far. Um, but tonight I, I just imagine a night crowd um and what it's gonna be like with uh with a couple extra hours to get ready for the game. I, I have a feeling it's gonna be a pretty electric um event dan are twins fans gonna coordinate that if they are going to do the pitch clock countdown they should do it to throw off the pitcher and not assist the pitcher with i know how the I clock so. is actually working is that the most minnesota nice thing that you've ever seen from <laughs> it's a pretty good call yeah no i know they were assisting him definitely and we were talking about that um last night a little bit like why were they do you know either be a second late or a second early do whatever you can to make him you know think it's different and uh it you know the one part that was really impressive about that was um 
Twins fans in 2019, when they were down to the Yankees in game three, the Yankees had a big early hit. Yank, or Twins um, missed a bases loaded opportunity in that game. And then they went silent. They just anticipated it was over. And the fact that they stayed engaged in that yesterday, despite, I mean, the chances of them winning after the uh, Abreu home run was like four or 5%. Um, but the fact they stayed engaged was really impressive. Um, they, they tried to will that team back to life. That team had zero chance against uh, against Javier the way he was throwing that slider because they they you know I don't know how much Shadows affected it because the Astros scored nine runs I think Shadows played a role the Astros handled it way better I, I think Twins hitters had zero chance at seeing the spin of that slider um, Royce Lewis swung out of his shoes and you know there was a lot of talk about how uh, Maldonado starting over Yanni Ramirez be even though the bat is just not what Diaz's bat is, they amped up the usage of that slider yesterday. And if that was because he saw the spin and the fact that Twins had no idea, that's a veteran brilliant move because, I mean, they were guessing. And I talked to Carlos Correa after the game. and He said he saw Lewis swing out of his shoes at those two uh, sliders and sat slider first pitch, and he took a fastball right down the middle. Like that there was no – they, they didn't stay, stick to patterns. They switched things up, um, and it, it made him extremely effective for those five innings. If it doesn't go well for the Twins tonight, is this devastating? Is this devastating for Minnesota with the winter coming and knowing what you have to stay inside? And, you know, as an organization, as fan base, how has you've been there the entire year? Is it a devastating loss? No, I don't think so. Uh, look, the 18-game losing streak, if they had let that become 20 and gotten swept out of the playoffs by the Jays, that would have been devastating. If we had to keep hearing about the streak that, you know, that would, there's, it's been really bad the last couple of years where, especially after that Yankees sweep and then the Astros sweep, really nothing the Twins was doing during the regular season mattered to fans to a certain portion. Look, there's always the diehards that are going to come out and be there, but there's a certain portion of the crowd that um, basically said, we need to see proof in October. You guys are in the easiest division in baseball. It really, it's it's easy to roll to a division title, and they stayed away. And look, there's there's actual proof of that, and that the Twins didn't even draw two million fans this year. They ended up twenty five thousand short of two million fans. Baseball had this great resurgence attendance wise. The Twins really didn't gain much. They gained a little bit uh, over last year, but not a whole lot. And I, I think had they lost, this would have been uh, devastating to them if the streak goes on. I mean, when they ended it, it was two days shy of turning nineteen. Um, if, if, you know, if this thing keeps going for a couple of years, you can lose that fan base, a, a, a vital portion of it. I, I think now people here are excited about the team again. They got to kind of remember they've seen some great moments. Sunday's win was, was a, a really big spot. I mean, look, they always got killed by the Yankees. And, and even though the Astros aren't the same thing as the Yankees in, in twins lore, they are the defending champions. The twins played a great game at Houston, came back home with, you know, essentially took away home field advantage. I think that was a big moment for them. Um, so, you know, if it ends tonight, it's not going to be easy. It's going to be painful for a little bit, but it's not end of the world. Let me ask you this. Yesterday, Sonny Gray, you know, we talk about his resurgence of the sweeper and all that, and we talked about the shadows and everything else. It didn't seem like it affected Houston that much. Right. Um, it looked like their game plan was to be on that slider. Uh, did you hear anything? Uh, about what anything Sonny Gray said after the game, or, or can you enlighten us about you know what happened there? Because he doesn't give up many home runs either. I know that I think that was the first home run he gave up on a slider all season, and it's the first time he's given up two home runs in a twin start, and that was his 59th twin start. 
uh, including last week's playoff game. Um, I heard one player told me that Abreu told them he couldn't see anything. And so he decided he was going to look for sliders specifically. And whereas Javier's slider just had massive spin and was, and was very good. Gray's slider spin rate was down. It wasn't as effective as it normally is. We saw that in the first inning that was, you know, unfortunately placed ball and Abreu saw it and uh, Abreu did what we all know he's done. I think, you know, I, covering him for so long with the White Sox, I always remember him just destroying the ball at this park. Looked up the numbers going into yesterday. It's like a 297 hitter, 339 on base, 500 slug. And he had had 14 home runs in his career at this park. Um, whatever it is, he, I mean, he's, he likes hitting anywhere. He's Jose Abreu. But they, uh, they gave him a chance to uh, – they instead of trying to blow fastballs by him, they gave him a chance with the bat speed and – he punished him for it and had a, a monster game and really just put the twins, you know, that was eight minutes into the game. In fact, it was really funny. We were interviewing the entire beat was interviewing Johan Santana in the back of the press box. The interview started at first pitch. We interviewed him for eight minutes. Exactly. Abreu's home run was like the last question. So by the time we all got back to the seats, it was four, nothing. The game was essentially over at that point. Dan, I heard what you said about Abreu and he was sitting slider up. On the broadcast yesterday, I said they were all sitting slider. Six yeah. of the seven hits he gave up were on off-speed pitches, I think. Uh, two home runs, both on the sweeper. Um, he hadn't given up a home run on the sweeper in over in over like a year and a half. Yeah. Uh, he they were hit, Opponents came in hitting like under 100 on the sweeper. And the Astros did damage. Not only did they get hits, they did damage on it. Yeah. So like the shadows thing that you're talking about, were they just better prepared? Than, I, it's it's – than the twins yeah. were. I mean, that seems like what it came down to. Yeah, I, I, I think that played into it. Um, I think the fact that Javier didn't just throw all fastballs. The twins said they were looking heavily for the fastball, and that's what they wanted to do damage on. Um, and it's funny because I think the twins did a great job executing their plans in the first two games. They didn't get through to Verlander, but they put themselves in a lot of good spots. Uh, the two double play balls that were crucial were fastballs down. They were like 94 mass fastballs down the middle that they were looking for those specific pitches. They just didn't put them in play and, and hit them where they wanted to. I didn't think the twins were nearly as good as executing their plan yesterday. I, there were just, you look at uh, the, the strikes that they, that Javier got them to chase. They were so effective at not chasing those first two games and, and they were really off yesterday and Astros were incredible. I mean, the Astros do what champions do and what we've, you know, learn to expect from them. That's why they've been to the ALCS or better every year in the last, what's seven years. So, I mean, it's a, uh, it was a stark contrast and, and both teams probably didn't want to hit in those conditions. Uh, but Astros certainly showed how to hit in those conditions. So Dan, one more thing on the Johan Santana, Joe Maurer thing. I was a little disappointed, you know, because the Twins didn't win a playoff game with those two, and they had the, oh. you know, the catcher that, you know, won of last playoff series sitting in the building, and they didn't ask him to do anything. So, I mean, I told, I told, I saw Derek Falvey, I told him, I saw Dave St. Peter, Dave St. Peter, the team president, and I was like, you guys might have messed up. You had the golden goose sitting there, and you went with Joe Mauer. I. It occurred to me that today I was coming onto this and there was a lot of White Sox here and uh, I'm covering the Twins, uh, having covered Todd for a couple of years myself. Um, uh, yeah, they should have probably had you out there. So today's going to be Gary Gaetti. They're going back to, you know, bringing Gary Gaetti and 
Johan joked because he bounced the pitch and and uh, it was a uh, it was a strange start to yesterday. But that was a great moment because bringing out the Pablo jersey, um, you know, loved the idea that Pablo, you know, he's talked about Johan right and left and uh, and to wear that jersey before game one against Toronto. I mean, like, man, like you're putting it all on you. You're saying I am this guy. And then for Johan to wear the Pablo jersey was a really cool moment um, just to see that. And yeah, <laughs> it could have gone better, though. <laughs> Mauer should have had a Przinsky jersey on. <laughs> but <laughs> the, the, that would have been amazing. What they said is I should have walked up to Mauer and tapped him on the shoulder and been like, hey, I know you're in the Twins Hall of Fame, but, you know, be the Joe. <laughs> My thing today is the Gaetti. Gaetti's throwing it to Dan Gladden today. Okay, Right. Yeah. Two World Series champions. Did you know they're also brother-in-laws? How does that work? I did not know that. Because Gladden's daughter is married to Gaetti's son. So what does that make? No, them? no. Father, no, there's no father. It's father-in-law. They're father-in-laws, but their kids are married to each other. So they're, so they're related by marriage. I don't know what the exact term is. That's, uh, you know, that's funny because Gaetti, I believe this is the first time in my six years that he'll be back. Um, I, I haven't seen him at any events. And, you know, I mean, Gary Gaetti, that 87 season, he was so good at defend, uh, defense and obviously a, a pretty good hitter too. Um, so I, I was unaware of that, and now I have another angle to, to talk uh, to Dan Gladden about because that's pretty crazy. But um, I wonder what that family dinner is like every year at, at Christmas. <laughs> hey, <laughs> AJ, before you jump, la yeah. last thing. This is for both of you because you guys are there. Um, were you surprised? I guess, AJ, you can go first and then bounce because I know you got to get to the game, and then Dan can fo follow here that – Carlos Correa was booed by the Houston crowd. It sounded like he was booed louder than anyone else. I'm like, hold up, wait. Like, I was trying to process what was going on, what he did for the team, um, what he goes through at every other ballpark, and I'm like, now he's not even <laughs> welcome in Houston. Weird. No, I first of all, I'll answer before I, yeah, I have to go because Dan, you know, Dan gets to show up later than I do. So, uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, I was shocked when he his his ovation reaction, whatever you want to call it, because it was it was more booze than cheers. Um, and for what he did for that organization was pretty amazing. And I also want to say this before I go and I'll let Dan speak on this. Yesterday, you talk about people in the crowd at Santana and Mauer throughout the first pitch, Gaetti Glad and all Twins Hall of Famers, right? I got to introduce Adam Wainwright to Paul Molitor, Jack Morris, Rod Carew, and Tony Oliva yesterday. I mean, you want to talk about a day? Adam Wainwright was like, this is one of the greatest days of my life. So think about the people that have run through the Twins organization. And they were all there yesterday. And it was just – it was a special atmosphere. And I, I agree with Dan that it's going to be amazing tonight. But, yeah, I was surprised. Because one day, Carlos Correa, you know, he's probably – if the Astros have a Hall of Fame, he, there's a good chance he's going to be in it. Yeah, with, with Correa, uh, I'll, I'll say this. He knows to expect to be booed. He said it. He – He's like, it's probably less booing here than it is in uh, most other places. But I get booed everywhere, so I'm used to it. Um, he, he really tried to keep an arm's length thing with his former teammates. He told them, we will talk after the series. But that's like he, he said, thank you for the congratulations, but that's it. Let's talk after the series. We'll resume being friends then. Um, he understands the Astros fans were going to – they see him as the enemy now just for this. It's not his fault that he's not in Houston. He would have loved to have stayed – but it's the playoffs. Last year when he came back in August 22, uh, 
it was fantastic reception. It was the best road reception that he's gotten anywhere. So he knows the love is there. He said fans were coming up to him before the workout um, that day and saying, hey, good luck. We love seeing you. Good luck. And he's like, are you sure you want to say good luck to me? Uh, you know, like I, I am playing for the other team. So he's not surprised by it. And, and to AJ's point there about the twins and bringing back all those guys, uh, their history, you know, it's a team growing up a huge Giants fan. I really loved how um, you could always go once a year and you might see Willie Mays or Willie McCovey at the park. And there was Will Clark and, you know, they rolled out their Giants history really well. Um, the Twins do a very good job for a team that doesn't necessarily get the notoriety because all their history seemed like their great stuff happened 30 years ago. They roll everybody out. When they have a Hall of Fame day, when Joe Maurer wins the Team Hall of Fame, it was incredible to see who comes through. And and you look at it, it's, it's more position player heavy by far, but it is an impressive list of guys. And, it, it you know, a lot of guys from Minnesota always love to come back and, and play for this team. And, you know, you look at that early 90s and Mulder was there. Dave Winfield was there for a little bit. Um, you know, beyond the fact that Joe Maurer and, and Justin Morneau and Torrey Hunter and AJ, like the, the groups of players is that they roll out is incredible for these things. And, you know, Ron Gardenhire was let go and he was back at a postseason press conference. Uh, Terry Ryan was at the same press conference. Paul Mulder's been back, even though he got fired in 2018. They brought him back as a minor league instructor. Um, this team sort of keeps a family-like feel with all the people around them. They, they never seem to let go unless they want to be gone. And, and it, it is something that it's cool because you get these moments like this where it's the playoffs and this new team is hopefully creating some of those same memories that, that they'll be uh, back one day down the road. Let me ask you this. Let's get back to the game here. What did the Twins have to do to get to game five? I know they got Joe Ryan pitching. He's capable of doing, you know, pretty much anything out there on the mound. He's, you know, he's a good pitcher. He, he's got to find a way to get to four innings, I think. But what do they, they have to hit? They have to pit. Like, what's the main yeah. thing they have to start doing? I think Joe Ryan's got to get through that first inning that he's out there. Uh, I, I think they're going to tell him, you're going out there for three, maybe four, empty the tank. Because velocity and his velocity can kind of waver, like can be 94 for a few minutes, and then you'll see it at 90 later in the inning. I think they want him to empty the tank with that, worry about the uh, the off speed stuff, and and just getting it over and and you know making sure because this isn't a great matchup for him. This typically the I think he's pitched 14 innings against the Astros and given up nine earned runs, three homers. Um, I think they will not hesitate to to pull him if things are going. Uh, poorly because yesterday they did a pretty good job. I think the only real one of their high leverage guys that they used uh, in relief was Griffin Jacks. He threw nine pitches. He hadn't thrown in a couple of days. They have the day off tomorrow. So it wouldn't shock me at all if we saw them really pull out every stop. But, you know, the key for them every time has been getting on the board early. Uh, on Sunday, you know, you get the Carlos Correa RBI double in the first inning. And then you get that two-run homer from Kyle Farmer, and that really they, – they played the game exactly how they wanted to the rest of the way. You know, Pablo was electric, and then they got to the, the parts of their bullpen they wanted to. Um, I think they could get to the parts of their bullpen they want to earlier today, but at the same time, nothing matters unless they can get on the board. We saw how Justin Verlander pitched out of every situation. We saw how Javier avoided multiple situations during the middle of the game yesterday. Um, they need to get that offense going, and, and that's going to be a huge key. All right. I only have one comment. 
If you do not have three essential N64 games there, you cannot show up with an N64. Tell me your three essential 64 games or you have to take it out of the next interview. First, I'm going to tell you that I rent this uh, a room at this place. So that's not my N64, but I will say GoldenEye is the only game, to be honest. And, and then Mario 64. Uh, um, One more. God. Those are, two, those are two those, upper those echelon. Are, yeah, um, man. You know what? It's funny. Those are the only two I ever played. I'm not going to lie. Uh, wait, did you say Mario? Wait, did you, and I say it so wrong, Mario. Um, you said Mario 64? Yeah, Mario Kart 64, and then Mario uh, Kart. Oh, Kart, yeah. Kart. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then sure and Goldeneye. I mean, honestly, we we spent more time playing Goldeneye. There's a reason why I was in junior college for a long time, and it was playing a lot and a lot of Mario or uh, Goldeneye. So I, I um, have a, I do have some others to add to the mix there. I mean, I'm I'm sporty, and I played a ton. I'm, I love those, but NFL Blitz, Blitz, NBA Blitz Jam. was my third one. Jam, yeah, yeah. Blitz was great. So, yeah, mm-hmm. those Jam was good too. Yeah, I love. So there are some classics. Well, yeah. enjoy, dude, and and uh, have fun at the game tonight. Um, thanks for swinging by, Dan. We really appreciate it. Keep doing your thing. We'll post all this stuff on uh, on Twitter so people can see it and see your articles. All right, guys. Thanks for having me. Cheers, Dan Hayes. Uh, Dan. Right for the Athletic, covering the Minnesota Twins. Looking forward to that one. Um, all right, so let's get right to our baseballer viral hit of the week before we talk to Love our guy, Whit Merrifield. Me too. So Max Scherzer is most likely going to be pitching in the ALCS. It's not 100% confirmed, but it's probably happening. Guess who's excited about it? Max Scherzer. So Max oh. is good for a celebration. And in my mind, I think there's a little bit inside of Max Kratzy that's going <laughs> I get to pitch again now. Like, I think that's part of what he was just celebrating there is we know Max. He comes on the show pretty frequently. He gets traded to Texas. He knows what they give up to get him. And that is a big deal acquisition for them. No one wants to get hurt. feels like shit. Now he gets to actually pitch because if they didn't make it to this point, he wasn't going to pitch and he was going to look back in the offseason and be like, damn it, I couldn't contribute when they needed me most. Now he gets to celebrate because he's going to be doing something. I don't know if he's going to give him seven innings based off how long it's been since he pitched, but he is going to be a factor in the ALCS. And according to that uh, one comment from Trace, Max scares the fuck out of him. Well, he was giddy afterwards. I saw his interview afterwards, and he kind of was inkling that he was coming back to smile on his face, that kind of stuff. So seeing that is exciting. I I feel like it's caught his second win now. Like this is a – they're – one series away from getting to the World Series. So this is really, really exciting. And I want to see him out there. He's a beast. Let's Hell go. Yeah. So do Rangers fans. How, how would you not want to see him out there? I mean, obviously, you got to make sure that he's back and feeling it. But even for, you know, three, four inning little burst, I'll take it. Baseball fans. Baseball fans want to see Max Scherzer out there for a better series, for more <clears throat> drama. You want to see him out there. He is a he's a red light guy. The red light turns on and that's who you're watching. My thing is. Watching that, like people, you know, there's people that are hating on the fact that, oh, he didn't even play this series. Why is he celebrating? What other walk in life can you complete something and be super juiced and everybody's okay with pouring beer all over each other and champagne? (laughs) Like nothing. You find me something where people are doing that. Find me anything and I want to join that brigade. So can I throw this out there? I think that it's 
become more commonplace in other scenarios, right? Like, let's say pouring that much beer and champagne on people. Yeah. So like, let's say, um, you're, you know, in an accounting firm and you just got through tax season, go for it. That's what it looks like. (laughs) No, it doesn't look like it. I'm saying they on your brand new suit, right? They should do that. Oh, you're saying they should do that. I don't mind it. I think she'd take a page out of baseball's book. There was a couple times in previous workplaces where there was an accomplishment and we'd have like the, you know, they'd pour like the smallest like sip of champagne ever. Um, You just made a deal that that got your firm, you know, $5 million. Come here, scooter. Ah, yeah. All right. Let's do it. But they, you know, it's awesome. You you go into that one room where, you know, you can get away with it. Plastic. Right. Plastic the room and just wreck it and just pop a few bottles Heck and yeah. say, let's freaking go. Like, I know Uncle Louie's got a room with plastic in it. Todd, does Uncle Louie have a room? Uncle Louie has a room with has... plastic everywhere. <laughs> no, he doesn't have a room with Come plastic. Come on. Don't, I don't, don't even do have that. an uncle. I don't even have an Uncle Louie. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it. See, he's not even allowed to say that Uncle Louie exists. <laughs> Uh, anyway, bsblr.com uh, if you want to check out hats and shirts and what they've got going on and also follow them, especially on IG. Um, they're bringing us that kind of content all the time. Like Todd Father said, they love it. Kratz hats, run it. What you got? Ooh, this one barely stayed together today. Found this, John. The Harrisonburg Turks. <laughs> it's the summer ball team I played on my after my junior year of college down in Shenandoah Valley. Look at that. I mean, look at this thing. This thing is all cracked in the back. Mm. Barely fitting on it. It's like a it's set on my head like a yarmulke. Just like just just sticks. At some point, it's going to be like December 10th, and he's just going to bring out like some fake hats and be yeah. like, "No, so I'm, I'm I getting... played for the uh, the Lake Tahoe, you know, salt on the real, <laughs> on the real. I think I'm at the bottom. I think wow. I'm at the bottom. I have one, two, three, four, five, six, seven more, eight more, oh, but my. I don't think I can put the one on my head. I think it's, uh, it's been a good run. It's yeah, been a good run. That's then it. Just gonna, you're going to see this every day. <laughs> There's nothing wrong nope, with that. Crats are going to get booted off the show. Okay, no, 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 no. Look at this thing. Breaking. The, the contract was signed for as many hats as, as you have. Unique hats. <laughs> so <laughs> this is it. We're going to have to get we're a gonna find a hat company to send some stuff. Yeah, exactly. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, and lastly, we got some we got some sign-ups. So we'll, we'll put this out there a few more times until Please. the sellout hits because we're close. <clears throat> In Seaside, baby. The bucket list. The dream. Todd Father. Pong tournament, best slices in Jersey, and you're in Seaside. So it's all Mel you literally have it all. Let's go. It is uh, November 18th, but I'll let you take over. Tons of prizes for the winners, uh, goodie bags just for showing up. It's going to be an awesome event. Everything goes and benefits the Children's Specialized Hospital. <coughs> Excuse me. There'll be a silent auction as well. Some really good items coming in, not only sport items, but other things as well. It's going to be a good time. We have a little under, I think, 13 um, spots left, teams. Now so nine. It, now, oh, went nine just as once, we were on the show. Once, once we put it up yesterday, yeah. we, 
spots nine left so you better hurry up yeah. my friends i already told the boys i said and girls you better pick it up low ticket warning that's low what they ticket do for like warning, concerts they're warning. like but low again ticket warning money goes to the children's specialized hospital for kids with long-term injuries need to get back on their feet so this is a good cause so we'll have a good time november 18th let's go that's todd's, team we'll todd's friends todd's friends are going to be pissed because now it's getting out there and other people are going to be like yo What's the deal with Todd? He's getting all big time now. Before, he used to always let me come to his Pong tournament. Yeah, they're, 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 they're always like, oh, I thought you put me in. What do you mean? Oh, no, no, no. Let's go. No. I thought you'd pay for my spot, Todd. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 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 All right. We will see everyone um, 5 o'clock Eastern on this very Foul Territory YouTube channel to watch the Braves Phillies game with you and many other guests. Brent Rooker, Brock Holt, Grant McCauley, Todd Father. Crash, myself. Did I do it this time? You Both got crash. them all. Let's go. Oh, Both wait, you forgot. Hours. Wait, you forgot loser shivers. Oh, yeah. Uh, He's going to be there, too. All right. Oh, crap. We will see you then. Get some meals. And then let's, uh, let's party. Hey, get in on the action with the FT fam at BetMGM. New customers use the bonus code FOUL, F-O-U-L, for a $1,500 first bet offer. Download the BetMGM Sportsbook app on iOS or Android or visit BetMGM.com. Sign up and deposit at least $10 into your BetMGM Sportsbook account. Place your first wager and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if the bet loses. If that bet does lose, your bonus bets will be available once your initial wager is settled. Gambling problem or concern? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.